0: This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. Today, you're listening to episode 198 And I'm talking with Amanda Loudon. Amanda is an award-winning journalist. She's been published in Outside Magazine, ESPN, The Washington Post, Runners World, Women's Running. If you're reading about health and fitness, you've probably read something that she's written. Amanda is a master's runner, and she shares with us in this episode her transition from really caring about times and running fast to running for the pure love of running. She gets out on the trails a lot more. She's an Ironman, so she's done a lot in her running career and her athletic career. She's the mother of two and she's the mother of two and her kids are in high school and college. So I always look to her and people like her that I follow on social media for mom support and love from that older mom crowd. I just feel like the people who are mothering teens and, and beyond have a thing or two to teach me. So Amanda is someone that I've wanted to interview for quite a while. She's been someone I've been connected with on social media for quite some time now. And I really look up to her as a writer, an athlete, and as a mom. You can find Amanda on Twitter. She is Miss, M-I-S-S, Zippy1. You can also find her on Instagram where she is also Miss Zippy one you can find me on Instagram. I'm Lindsay Hine 626 I'd love to connect with you there. And you can find me on Twitter, at Hine. And real quick, before we get into this conversation with Amanda, I want to thank Sweaty Betty for supporting this episode of the podcast. Sweaty Betty is a women's activewear brand that is really one of my favorite brands to wear. I'm pretty much an activewear 24-7, and you will oftentimes see me rocking the Sweaty Betty. Their products are engineered to last, and they're super fashionable. And today, I'm going to tell you about one of my favorite tank tops, which is a sweaty Betty tank top, and that is the Pace Setter tank. It's the Pace Setter running tank. I have it in black, and I love it because it's got this higher neck on it, and the armholes aren't super big. I was actually wearing it the other day in an Instagram story, and somebody was like, "Where's that tank top from?" Because I like how the neck fits as well as the armpit holes. <laughs> So it's got a really comfortable fit and it's a little bit loose in that belly area, which I love. But you can also do a cute little front tuck with it. There's lots of ways you can wear it. So that's the pace setter running tank. You guys can go to sweatybuddy.com and use the code another for 20% off your order. That is a good deal. Go treat yourself sweatybuddy.com and use the code another for 20% off. All right, friends, let's enjoy my conversation with Amanda Loudon. All right, well, welcome to All Have Another, Amanda. How are you?
1: Hey, I'm doing well, thanks. First day of school back for my youngest. So um, it's that transition time, I guess, you know?
0: Yeah. What grade is your youngest in?
1: Um, she is starting her first day of high school today. Okay, so yeah. you have boy, girl, right? Correct, correct. One's a freshman in college and one's a freshman in high school now, so yeah,
0: yeah, I saw that you just dropped him off at school. What was that like? You know,
1: it was so much better than I thought. um, and the the weirdest the weirdest experience was was the drive down. So he's at the University of Richmond, which is about um three hours from here. and um he and I have always had this really great relationship we've We've always gotten along really well, and um but on that drive down, we were bickering. Like it was just crazy. And I kind of felt like, okay, this is, this is how God gets you ready to, to say goodbye. Because I was ready to pull up to that curve and just kick him right on out. (laughs) (laughs) It was pretty funny. But, um, so I mean, I miss him, but it wasn't nearly as I guess traumatic as I thought it was going to be. So yeah,
0: I, yeah, I can imagine that. Like, I feel like in situations sometimes where I'm like, okay, this is going to be the perfect day with my oldest, you know, my kids are at a totally different phase in life than yours, obviously. But like, I feel like arguing pops up and I'm like, no, this was supposed to be perfect. Like you were probably (laughs) thinking this drive to Richmond was supposed to be this beautiful experience, but here you are. Yeah. It was pretty funny. (laughs) so amanda i am really excited to learn a little bit about your career and your freelancing in the running industry as far as what you write about um my sister specifically is a writer and she is she's like so excited about this interview
1: oh I, well i love her work so um so it's nice
0: <laughs> oh thank you
1: yeah.
0: yeah yeah she recently wrote that article um you could explain it better but you tweeted me that and i was like that is Amanda tweeted, tweeted me about an article my sister wrote and she was like, this was such a great article. And you know, when someone compliments someone that is your close friend or family member, you just feel like this sense of pride. Like I was so happy to hear that. And it felt like a compliment to myself, even, even though I didn't write it.
1: Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, you should be proud of her. I mean, cause it really was, she just did a, a, a beautifully, Um, thoughtful piece on the whole immigration issue and, and talking about the, the, you know, especially um, about parents, you know, and and, the role of parents and that these are parents who are just trying to do the very best for their kids. And can't we all relate to
0: that? You know, totally. Yeah. I'm going to link to that in the show notes for anybody who wants to read it. So Amanda is, you are in this stage of life where you sent your oldest to college. Your, your youngest is a freshman in high school uh, can we can we age drop? You're 53. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so you're a master's runner. And I would love for you to share with everybody kind of what your relationship with running has been like over the years and and how you fell in love with it and how it's
1: transitioned over the years. Sure. So um I was not very active in high school. I grew up um in a small rural town in Ohio, and um I think it was just a time and place where girls weren't really encouraged to be active, but I think that, I mean, I was active like just in, in non-structured ways. Um, I grew up on a lake and I was always, you know, swimming and whatnot. Um, but, um, somewhere along the lines, I, I, in early adulthood, I decided, um, I moved, I moved to the town that I live in in Maryland and there is a local triathlon that was, um, had a long history, was really popular. And I thought, you know, a triathlon would be fun. I've always loved swimming. And, um, and I, and I had a road bike at the time that I was just using recreationally. And so I put it all together and kind of got into triathlon for a few years and really, really loved it. Um, loved the training and and the racing and and did an Ironman and all that, but slowly running kind of started, um, bubbling up to the surface as my favorite of the three. And, um, so I started just dedicating more and more time to running and got into marathons and, um, racing and just, you know, really, really loved it, and spent a lot of time, um, you know, really concentrating on my training and trying to get training right and all of that. and um, and I would say in the, in, in, you know, in the past few years, I've just kind of lost that that real need to compete and race. and um and I, I've been running with this group of women for, I don't know, like a dozen years and and we're all similar um, ages and stages in life. And, um, we all kind of, we, we, we call it, I I told you this in, in the email, like we call it running 2.0. And for us, that just kind of means, um, we're still out there running a lot of miles. I mean, we're, we're all probably in the 40 to 50 mile per week range. Um, but we're not really doing dedicated training, you know, no real speed work or anything like that. Maybe we'll throw in some strides here and there. Um, I'm on the trails a lot more these days and it's just more about just, you know, appreciating what running gives me day to day. Um, and, and, and it's, I I think it's just deeply satisfying this, this, um, place that I'm in with running and and just, I mean, it, you know, like, like everyone, it helps me process so much of life. And, um, I, I just, I just really am enjoying it. It's a sweeter place for me, I think, than when I was caring so much about times and, and working hard to accomplish those things. Not that, not that there's anything wrong with that and not that I didn't enjoy that phase as well, but it's nice to be content also, um, on the other side of the mountain, I guess. Yeah.
0: Yeah. When did you start feeling like that? Like how old were you?
1: I mean, it's probably in the past five years or so. I mean, um, you know, probably late forties. I just kind of, you know, I mean, I, I I was dealing with some injuries and things and I think that was part of it. Um, and I kind of just started to realize that I, you know, to me, one race day was never worth, you know, um, giving up, you know, weeks of training or, or weeks of running, you know, if I was getting injured, and and I, I guess that just kind of helped me along that transition, and and um and and here I am, <laughs> so yeah. What year did you do the Ironman? I didn't know you were an Ironman. Yeah. So wow, this is way back. So this was in 1999. I did the original Lake Placid, actually. Oh, okay. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. It was the first one in the States other than, um, Kona, of course, um, at the time. And so it was really exciting to have one, um, you know, that was easy to get to because before that it was either, you know, Ironman Canada, um, which was in Western Canada at the time, um, or Europe. And so, um, we, we, you know, a group of us got really excited by the fact that it was here and we all signed up and we had a great time doing it. Yeah. So
0: yeah, that was 20 years ago then. So that must've been before kids.
1: Yes. Yes. Okay. And for me, and so, yeah, my son was born in 2001 and for me, I don't know. I I totally get that people manage parenthood and and careers and doing things like iron, like an Ironman distance race. But for me, it just wasn't, I, it just didn't, that just didn't, I I didn't want to do that. I just, I don't know that for me, I wanted, I didn't want that much um, training time. I don't know. I had the mom guilt. (laughs) And um, so that, that also kind of, fell into a step with, with kind of transitioning over to more running-focused training. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's much more manageable. My husband did only one, and it was when our first son was 10 weeks old. And it's like oh, wow, the more – I mean, you know, 10 weeks out, though, he had done a lot of his training leading yeah. up to that. But it's yeah. just kind of like – The more kids you add and as they get a little bit older, even, even now I'm like that, it would almost feel harder now than when we had a baby because there's so many more things going on and, um, I'd love to do one one day, but yeah, right now it's just like, that would really throw our life off. Like that would really not be a healthy balance right now for, for everything.
1: Right, right. Yeah. I mean, I admire people who can pull it off. Totally. But yeah, just, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't going to work for me. Yeah.
0: Okay. So this is so random. And as I was, I told you, my sister was excited about this interview and follows you. And I was talking to her when um, we scheduled this. And I said, I think Amanda might have been this woman that wrote in the runner's world loop. Is Would that be right? Yes. Oh, my gosh. That was really 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 a long time ago holy cow you were in it too so okay so in 2000 must have been eight or nine or ten I don't know um I, I was starting to run marathons I ran my first marathon in 2008 and I you know I was never I've never been super speedy but speedy enough that you know I don't know people might pay attention or whatever. Yeah, you're speedy. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. So my sister had a blog forever, and she was like, you should really start a running blog. Like, people read these, and people are into them, and, you know, you have things to say about your training. So I I started this blog, but before I started the blog, which I don't write on anymore, by the way. It's just kind of housed on my website, and I could write posts, but I don't. Um, Yeah. (laughs) But I remember writing some race recaps and stuff on this. Was it called The Loop? I think it was. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, but I remember you because I feel like you had like a million followers and like nobody – I don't know how it worked though. Was it it followers or was it readers or was it likes? (laughs) Like This was like pre-real
1: social media. It really was. It really was. And I think I remember going on there trying to – because I was just learning about blogging at the time and I remember thinking this is a great way to kind of – you know, test the waters and learn how to do this. And um, so that's so funny. Did we engage with each other? I don't remember.
0: I think I was more of like a bystander, like watching what was going on. And like, I must have read your stuff. And the reason I remember is because it was, because your Instagram is Mississippi. And I was like, that's gotta be the same person, which makes yeah. sense because you write yeah. for a living. So like p- lots of people were reading that because you were obviously writing well.
1: It's so funny. Isn't that funny? The
0: loop, what happened to it? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think. (laughs) Runner's world, I don't know. I think that people just got their own personal blogs and they were like, I'm going to start writing here instead. And there was, it was a big no-no to like link to your own personal blog. Like it was not to socially promote yourself. You like.
1: I remember that.
0: You were on the loop. (laughs) Right.
1: Okay, that so is it was so you. Funny,
0: <laughs> I bet there's other like big run nerds out there that were part of that. That really know They're you from to. that.
1: Yeah, they, they have to be out there. Yeah, that is great.
0: <laughs> okay, so this is a good segue into you and your writing because, I mean, th- that's your career. You're a freelance writer, and it's so cool. I mean, Amanda's been published in the Washington Post, ESPN, all the prestigious uh, outlets. I want to. I'd love to know. Did you, art, did you always know that writing was what you wanted to do with your life or when did it come about?
1: Yeah, I don't think I always knew. Um, my mom was an English teacher and um, so she kind of was always <laughs> – I can remember way back when, you know, her helping me with some some papers and, you know, editing them for me and that kind of thing. And, um, and so I think, you know, that helped me kind of develop the skill set. And then right out of college – I kind of fell into a job just um I got married right out of college and and we relocated to the Philadelphia area and I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do and um there was a very local like 5 minutes away publishing house they had, they published medical trade magazines and I they were looking for someone um editorial assistant level and so I went in and applied got the job and started really learning the ropes on the job and I also started stringing at night for a local newspaper Um, which was awesome because, um, you know, it was an old salty editor and he really mentored me. Um, and so, you know, one thing just kind of led to another. And then the, the, the whole reason I started the blog was that I was still writing for trade publications and, um, and, and did it for, it was, it was easy, like easy, I guess, because I was so accustomed to it. Easy work, um, while my kids were little and I could do it without having to, you know, I mean, totally, um, start fresh with anything, but I decided to start writing the blog as a segue into writing about things that I enjoyed, like running and health and fitness. Um, and so that's really what the blog, that was the purpose of starting it and, um, kind of trying to develop some, you know, quote unquote clips that I could send out to magazine editors and say, here, you know, I, I do know a little bit about running and would like to write in this space and, um, so one thing just kind of led to another from there.
0: Yeah. Do you ever write about things that aren't related to running or like athletics and that kind of world?
1: I do. I do spin out a bit. Um, I, I, well, so we, there's a, a nice local women's publication here that I've written for, which is fun just to kind of write on a local level. Um, and then I've written some parenting essays and um, I've done a few travel pieces um, and it it is fun to, to kind of go off in different directions and get some, you know, diversification in there for sure.
0: Yeah. I'd love to hear about yeah. like, how do you come up with your stories? And when you, for instance, like the Washington Post or some big, big publication like that, like, are they, do you always pitch them?
1: Like, what does this world look like? Yeah, it's, di- it's different with every publication. Um, in some cases I have you know, long-standing relationships now with editors who will say, Hey, you know, can you take this story? And those, you know, of course, every writer loves those because <laughs> it's nice not to, have to think of the topic all the time. Uh-huh. Um, and then in others, you know, I, I am still pitching and, um, with the post, um my editor has given me um so I typically write for the health and science section there, and she's given me their calendar and I know what all the topics are that are coming up on you know on a month to month basis. So that's really helpful to me to, you know, kind of think along the lines of okay, what would fit? You know, for instance, um that this month's um their special um supplement's gonna be on kids and kids' health. And so I don't know if you've heard of this organization, Hike It Baby, um, but I met Um, Shanti Hodges, who started it. And um, so I was like, wow, that, that would be kind of fun to write about, you know, um, getting outside um, with newborns and toddlers and, you know, just getting out into nature and, and, you know, used her as my tie in for it. So, um, you know, that's how that one came about. And um, I get a lot of, um, you know, I'm on the press release circuit for a lot of different universities that, that, you know, published research and um, when interesting ones come along, there, I kind of jump on that. Um, and you know, I mean, I guess just, just, yeah, you know, being out in the running world, obviously, you know, you hear all the different topics that people are talking about. And, um, so I just kind of follow my nose on that Twitter helps. I will admit too. <laughs> you know, I, I try not to spend too much time on Twitter, but it does have some payoffs, um, professionally for sure.
0: Yeah. So. You know, that's an interesting point with Twitter because I It seems like a lot of people maybe dropped off Twitter and there are still some pretty heavily active users. I would say I use it quite frequently. You use it pretty frequently. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that a lot of that staying power, power is in news?
1: I mean, potentially, um, you know, I, I, it's, it's, it's hard to know. Um, but, you know, yeah, I mean, I just think it really can serve as a great <laughs> resource as much as we can, you know, we can bash social media. But, um, you know, I, I feel like there there's just a lot of, you know, you, you see, I mean, it, like, I don't know if you can remember back to um, the the big fires in California last mm-hmm. year and the North Face Endurance run and when it was canceled and that 50K And if it weren't for Twitter, I mean, how would any of us have known that there was a whole group that was organizing, you know, this kind of grassroots run to help raise funds for, um, you know, for the for the town where where the race was supposed to take place, which was just devastated by the fires. And, you know, so that was an easy like, oh, look at this. That's something that deserves some coverage and, you know, take it from there and write an article. And um, it's also great um, place for finding sources for stories. I mean, I'm always putting calls out for, you know, Hey, I'm looking for a runner or, you know, someone who has done X, Y, or Z and people are great. They jump, you know, right in and, and, um, respond to me. And, you know, so it's super helpful that way. And and I think a lot of journalists help each other out there too. I I, I think there's a lot of that going on as well. So,
0: yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, Instagram has kind of turned into like the, pretty social media platform. That's the one people are drawn to. But in certain fields of work, like Twitter makes so much sense and you're not going to get those like quick hits on Instagram. Like you're looking at a picture and there's like only so much newsworthy type sharing on Instagram stories. If people even happen to check out Instagram stories rather than just the static feed. So um, I do feel like I died away from Twitter a little bit there for a while, but in the recent year, I mean, I never got off, but I just kind of like wasn't as active, but in the recent year or so, I really love it. Like I love the quick like statements or funny witty things that people can just like put out there and it doesn't have to be overthought. It doesn't have to be super pretty. It's just like a quick little note or quote or message.
1: Yeah, agree, agree. And it's funny and it's relatable. It's Like I love, you'll put out the funniest, most relatable tweets about like what's going on in your parenting world, you know, and, and I love them. I'm totally entertained by that, you know? So, um, yeah, yeah, I like it. Yeah. The key (laughs) is people
0: realizing that like, like, especially with someone like me, like don't take everything I say so literally or seriously though, because there's going to be a good amount of sarcasm in there.
1: Right. Exactly. Exactly. Agree.
0: Which you don't do as much on other platforms like Instagram. Yeah. Okay. So talk to us about like when in your freelance writing career in this running space like when did you feel like you made i don't know if making your big break is the right way to put it but like when you got picked up by a publication that you're like wow like you know this is like this could be something for me
1: oh gosh you know what i'm going to tell you this <laughs> imposter syndrome is real um sure. i don't know if I, I don't know if i ever feel that way i really don't i i i don't know I mean, the Washington Post definitely, like when I first, my first piece for the Post, that really felt good because I really respect the paper and, um, you know, and its history. And so being a part of that has, has really, that always feels good, I think. Um, But otherwise, I think I still live with a little bit of that, just that imposter syndrome. Like, I don't think I ever feel like I've made it or like, I just, I don't know. It's funny because I don't, I don't have those issues with running. I don't really, I guess I don't care as much maybe anymore, but like, with, with, with journalism, I still, there are other writers out there who I just really admire, you know, their work and how they're getting it done. And, and, and I still don't, I don't, I don't ever feel like I've made it in writing. (laughs) So
0: an example of a story that Amanda has done is like, she wrote a story on Jim Walmsley last year when he, you know, dnf UTMB. So you're writing about like people that are really big in the running space. So what are some of the coolest stories you've been able to cover as a journalist in the running space?
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, it definitely, so I got to go over to, to Chamonix last year and 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 um, cover UTMB. That's and, so cool. Um, oh my gosh. That was, <laughs> it was like a dream come true. Um, and so, yes. So like, you know, covering, I definitely have a little bit of fascination with with the ultra runners. And, um, so I think even though I've, I've been able to interview some really, really great elite road runners, and I'll include like Dina Castor in that because she's just, she's so lovely Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, covering her has been, was really fun, but I, there's something about the ultra runners that really intrigued me. And, um, I think they're just, you know, they're, they're just, they're, they're so low key and yet so accomplished and it just kind of blows my mind. Um, so yeah, getting to interview people like Jim Walmsley and, um, you know, Magda Boulay and, um, you know, Claire Gallagher was really cool. I interviewed her this year because I love what she's doing with her. She's using her running for environmental activism. And, um, so those have all been really cool ones in the running space for me, I would say. And then, you know, getting outside of the running space, just, um, one of my favorite pieces of all time. I did a a piece on, um, Nancy Hogshead Makar, who is, um, an Olympic swimmer, Um, who's, she's in her mid fifties now, but she, um, she has really become a huge advocate, um, in this me too era for, for girls who have suffered abuse at the hands of their coaches. And so I got to do this whole profile piece for her for outside magazine. And, um, that just felt like meaningful work to me, you know, covering, you know, someone who has done, who's doing so much good in the world and, you know, really, had an impact on helping protect athletes, you know, through her legislation. She's, she's also an attorney. And so, you know, she's used that, um, you know, through all kinds of lawsuits and, and legislation and, and things like that. So that was a real treat. And, and then I just, this morning, the piece I was working on, um, that I'm excited about, um, it'll, it'll come out to the end of September, but it was for REI. And it's looking at, um, the boundary waters, um, wilderness area, which is now under threat from, a copper mine, um, that, um, has been given the green light to proceed. And so that's very controversial and, you know, trying to look at both sides of the issue and, you know, what the mines could do for the economy there, which is suffering. Um, but also the damage it could potentially do to this beautiful wilderness area. And, um, so that was a really fun piece to to dig into and, and look at all the sides and yeah, so I've enjoyed that. So.
0: Yeah. You know, that's a really good point to bring up. Like, do covering pieces that are meaning that make your work feel meaningful because so much can just be like work 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 you know and like what is this all even for you know sometimes I think that about my podcast I'm like what is the purpose like if I hung this up tomorrow would it matter which I don't want to do but you just wonder what can I do to make sure the work that I'm doing is the most meaningful work
1: that it possibly can be?
0: And for you, it sounds like it's finding stories like that. Absolutely.
1: I absolutely agree. And I mean, and I also, uh, you know, because right now I do feel like journalism is under attack and, and that there are so many other sources for people to go and get information and, 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 you know, people don't, I don't think quite appreciate anymore, the value of journalism and what goes into it and the fact checking that goes into it. Oh, yeah. You know, the the due diligence. And so I think it's really important right now that that, you know, that and and I know so many journalists are they're working harder than ever. Um, You know, I mean, the pay scale keeps going down, and people keep getting laid off, but we need journalists in this world. And so I do feel very committed to you know, doing the best work that I can and, and, and hoping that people are reading it and, and, you know, learning that the real, the real facts there, the, the things that have gone through, like I said, the process of, of editing and fact checking and, 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 all that goes into that. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. I love on your Twitter. I don't know if it's Twitter or Instagram, but it says your profile it says buy a newspaper. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> Cause that's, you know, it is, and especially on the local level, like we, we talk about, you know, like the Washington Post or New York times, but gosh, all the local level newspapers that have been lost and um you know that that gosh they used to be such a great source of good information you know and and that's lost and and i think there's a lot that's lost you know as a society when we don't have that any longer so yeah
0: all right everybody i'm gonna jump in real quick and thank a sponsor for this episode and that is koala clip koala clip is my favorite running accessory and You need to make sure you have that in your gear, on your gear checklist for running. I put my phone in it, I put a key in it, I put a couple dollars in it. Whatever I need when I'm out for a run, I put in the Koala Clip and I just clip that bad boy to my sports bra. It doesn't jostle or move around, it just stays put. And it's super convenient. You all can grab a Koala Clip for 10% off when you go to koalaclip.com and use the code ANOTHER. Again, that's koalaclip.com and use the code ANOTHER. Before we continue my conversation with Amanda, I just want to let you all know that Saturday, November 9th, here in Indianapolis, my event with Dina Castor and Sally McRae is still open for ticket sales. We've got about 50 tickets left. We are selling out the event. I do expect it to sell out well before November 9th. So if you are considering coming to the show, I would love it so much if you would grab your ticket, grab your girlfriends, grab your spouse, whoever you want to come with and come to this event. It's going to be a night of community. And I know that Dina and Sally have powerful messages to share with everybody. So I hope to see you there. And again, that's Saturday, November 9th at 530 p.m. at the Speakeasy here in Indianapolis. It's going to be really fun. And I hope to meet many of you that I haven't met yet. So if you go to the show notes of this episode, com, go to the podcast in the most recent show notes. I've been putting the link to purchase tickets in all of the show notes of recent episodes. All right, friends, enjoy the rest of my conversation with Amanda Loudon. Yeah, I'd love to hear you talk about, um, and I, I'm going to try to phrase this right without butchering what I'm trying to ask. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> like people wanting free journalism, you know, people wanting free content all the time. Like for instance, this is, you know, platforms like podcasts are free for the public. Yeah. Now we have sponsors that come on our shows. If your show's big enough, you can get sponsors and and you can get paid that way. Um, but then you have other, other streams of revenue. For instance, like I have a Patreon page and people who listen every week, can say, okay, I want to support this more than just listening every week. Yes. Um, and then they get bonus content. And then you have Allison Wade, who I'm sure you've been following her and her oh, yeah. Fast Women newsletter. And honestly, like what Allison's putting out every week, it is so much information. I yes. – cannot imagine the work and the time that she puts into that. And so as soon as she launched her Patreon page, I was, I signed up. I was like, I think I was like the fourth person on that list because I see it. I'm like, I see what she's doing. So I kind of just like rambled, but like, tell me your feelings and your thoughts on the whole, you know, like people intaking content and wanting journalism to be free.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's tough. I mean, I think like you like using the example of Allison. I mean, she's someone who has chops right in the industry and has been around for a long time and she knows what she's doing. And so I can, you know, I consider her a reliable source and she is, she's putting so much time into that, like you said, and you put a lot of time into this. And so, I mean, first of all, I don't think anybody should be knocking anyone for, um, you know, making a dime off of this. This is a time investment on your part and you're delivering quality content and Allison's delivering quality content, you know, and, and so, um, I think what what I think is that people need to be informed consumers of of what they're reading and listening to and make sure, you know, do a little bit of, of due diligence on your own part. If you're going to, you know, partake in these things um, and, and be appreciative of, of what goes into them and do support them. And, you know, yeah, I'm going to use runner's world as an example. I mean, the, the uproar when they put up a paywall, um, mm-hmm. but you know, I mean, People don't like people complain on the one hand about like, oh, it's nothing but an ad and there's just sponsored content all over the place. Um, But they also, on the flip side, don't want to spend five dollars a month to (laughs) content coming in. So you can't have it all right. There's going to, you know, these there's got to be a business model to keep these publications afloat. So. um, So, yeah, it is one of my little soapbox issues. You know, when I hear people complaining about, you know, having to pay for content come on, this is, this is an industry. It's, it's a way, you know, people have to make a living off of it. And, um, you know, if you're paying for it, your, maybe your money's going to help pay for, you know, things like I said, like the fact checking and, and, you know, journalists who, you know, know what they're doing and, and will you know, work hard for that dime. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, cause you contribute to runner's world a decent amount, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When did they put that up? And did you have any kind of negative experiences as a journalist? Like, as far as do you get paid less and things like that when when these things happen?
1: No, I I really, um, as a freelancer, like I'm completely out of the loop on what is going on behind the scenes or something like that. Yeah. So so I really don't know how that's working out for them or anything like that. I just you know, again, going back to Twitter, <laughs> I just saw the uproar on Twitter. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I, I hope it's a model that is working for them. I mean, you know, people like, like I said, people like to criticize and, and you know, um, complain about the the ad content and all all of that. But I also think people would be probably sad if it didn't exist. So um, yeah, you've got, got to come to kind of, you know, decide what, what, what it's worth to you, I guess. Yeah.
0: Give us an example of, and and I think that this is Maybe some people know this, and some, but some people can't even wrap their heads around like how many hours go into producing something. So like if you have a big article for, say, The Washington Post, like how many hours of research and writing and editing are going into like a big time article?
1: so i should have a better um calculation on that <laughs> that's that's um something um that i I'm, I'm working on is is really trying to um you know monitor how many time, hours i put into a piece to kind of get my my own hourly rate back out of that to, to sure. just my own yeah but um you know i mean so w- one of the things that has helped me be successful is putting a little bit of time into the pitch that i send to someone first so you've already got a time investment in that but i try to make that as quick and dirty as possible because it may not sell. Um, so, you know, that could be, I don't know, half an hour to an hour to, to get a good pitch put together. Um, and then, um, but, but it also, if you do sell it, then you're already, you know, a little ways down the road because you have invested some time in talking to some people and looking at some, some research or whatever it might be. Um, and that, you know, really, it, it's just the information gathering, you know, I mean, most of my interviews take about a half an hour. And, um, for most stories, I'm probably sourcing three to four people, depending on the, depending on the publication. Um, and then the writing tends to be the fastest part. Um, you know, cause once you've got all your information, if you have what you need, you can just sit down and, and bang it out and, um, That that is, you know, the easiest part for me, actually. Um, But then there's going to be the follow up, depending on, again, the publication. Some are really quick with their revisions or no revisions at all, um, which I don't know. I'm a little, you know, I'm a little bit um, conflicted on that. I think (laughs) maybe always be at least one round, Even though you know, we as writers don't enjoy the revisions necessarily. It's making our work better. And um, and again, ensuring that there is, you know, a good set of eyes on what's going out there. Um, So, you know, some publications are going to have, you know, one round or two or three rounds of revisions. Um, And that's, that's usually, you know, that's, that's your whole process right there. So, yeah.
0: What's your dream piece to write or place to go race as a journalist, like a race to go to or just an event to be like, I'm covering this?
1: you know, I still want to go to um, cover Western States. I, I haven't covered that one yet. And I think that is like after, after UTMB, um, there's, I don't, to me, there's not much else yeah. <laughs> to, that can compare to that. That sure. was probably my dream right there. But um, I think Western States would be really, really cool to cover too. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I saw yeah. you were following UTMB this year and how cool was it that, that Courtney won? I was so happy I, for her. Yeah.
1: I know. I know. And she cracked the top 20 overall, you know, come on. That's like incredible. She's amazing.
0: Insane. I know when I interviewed Claire Gallagher, I was like, okay, you don't want to sound negative when asking this question, but like when Courtney dropped, it's like, okay, now I really have the opportunity to win this race. Not that Claire couldn't have beat Courtney, but like Claire said herself, she was the one to beat,
1: you know, like she's just so I don't want to say unbeatable, but man, she's almost unbeatable, it seems. I know. She's something else. I mean, she really, really is. And I think um, more than anyone, just that ability to go long and just keep plugging away. And she seems to, like, just kind of pick a fairly steady pace and and stick to it without a lot of fluctuation. Um, You know, I mean, because, you know, you're watching the reports from UTMB and, and, you know, it didn't sound like she necessarily – you know, was, was smiling and feeling great the whole way. I mean, who would be at that distance, <laughs> Um but she, you know, just was steady, steady as she goes, you know? Um, So yeah, she's, she's, a she is one cool athlete to follow for sure. Yeah. And she turned that around pretty
0: quick after dropping Western States. Like I was Agreed. surprised she was even there, let alone went and, you know, agree agree. race. Jeez. Cause she, yeah.
1: I mean, she dropped Western States, but she dropped late. Yes, yeah, she. I think she had like good, like eighty miles in, didn't she? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. So that's not easy, and I and I do think, um, you know, it. There are very few athletes who have done it, and and that is the combo successfully of doing both Western and UTMB in one year. I mean, they're so close together, they're so tough both of them, and um, you know, I I think there are only a couple of examples of people who have managed it. So yeah, I mean, to me, she. Practically did both, you know?
0: Yeah. Right. Totally. So let's transition a little bit back into your running. You are recently separated and Mm -hmm. you've talked about how you're kind of learning to adult for the first time this year, (laughs) which that's got to be tough. So talk about how running has kind of been an anchor in your life through situations like this.
1: Yeah, for for sure. I mean, I think um, every time... So, like I said earlier, I got married very young and I will admit that, you know, throughout my entire marriage, I was the secondary income. You know, I was primarily focused on the kids and, and, you know, and and having a career, but it was the secondary income. And I kind of just, and I never ran like the finances of the house and, um, you know, and just like general maintenance around the house and everything else. and and so I do in so many regards, feel like for the first time in my life at this very <laughs> kind of advanced age, um I'm learning to adult and so um every time I come up against something that's a little bit frustrating, whether it be you know something around the house, like um you know, like the electricity to my lamppost <laughs> quit last week, and it's like, so what do you do about this? Um, and you know just like li- little things every time I come up against a roadblock. I just think back to like, okay, I've done an Ironman, I've done a marathon and you know, I mean, I'm a marathon, I've done, you know, many marathons and it's like, just over the years, all of this endurance training and racing, you know, we all learn these amazing skills and I don't know if we recognize how useful they are and applicable they are to just life in general. And you know, like I've done hard before and I can do hard again and it it really fortifies me when I need it, so yeah.
0: What's that like transitioning into being single, dropping a child off at college? How do you guys co-parent in that way? Like you were the one that dropped your son off?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, So my my ex-husband travels a ton. Um, So on the one hand, I was kind of used to doing a lot of this, like the parenting kind of stuff on my own. Um, And yeah, I I was... (laughs) I would say we're not co-parenting in the best of ways yet. Sure, um, but, but I you're hope new to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I hope we're moving in that direction. And um, yeah, right now, just so much of it really is is me because because he is gone all the time on the road, and um, you know. But I I I so I really feel it's important to me right now where I am to be a very steadying force for my children, both both you know, my son at college and my daughter here at home in particular her at home because it's so much transition in their in their world right now and so i need to be the one who's you know here for them day in day out that is what they've always known and just be be there and be that 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 steady person and i think you know that right now at least for the next 4 years you know while i still have one at home is just that is the top of my heap on priorities right now. Um, you know, the, 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 and, you know, and, and making increasing my workload too, because I, you know, I need to have more income coming in and, you know, now that I'm doing this, you know, on my own. So, um, those are, those are big things to face. Um, but I also feel very empowered. Um, every time I get over one of those little hurdles, every time I use those coping skills, you know, I feel like, okay, I can do this, you know, and, and it's, it's kind of a good place to be um, as, you know, as difficult as as it has been. It's a really good place to be too. So, and I'll, one more thing as I'm diarying the mouth, I will say I, it's also a silver lining throughout this is I just like, wow, do I have an incredible network of support in my life? And I am so appreciative of that. And that's, that is a real silver lining when you can see that. And I don't think I don't think we all necessarily appreciate um, what we have in that regard until we need it, until you need to lean on those people and they come through for you. And it's, it's pretty cool. So,
0: yeah. Are a lot of those people part of your running community?
1: For sure. For sure. Um, I think the very first person I told when I was separating was one of my running friends who she'd been through this like 10 years prior. Mm-hmm. And, um, so yeah, absolutely. My running friends have been fabulous throughout this. Um, my neighborhood network, you know, that we've, we've all raised our kids together. They've been fabulous. And I go out and I actually I've never been someone who goes on walks, but now all of a sudden I go on a lot of walks because I walk with these people in my neighborhood who maybe aren't runners, but Love it. it's another way to go out and just kind of, you know, talk things through and, and spend time together. So yeah.
0: Yeah. Let me ask you this, as I'm thinking this through, um, as someone who is married and a lot of our friends are married, I haven't entered too many situations where my, I have friends that are separating probably because we're younger still, and that's yet to happen here in the next five years. (laughs) (laughs) But what is that? Have you found any like social issues where you're like, there's some Friends having people over and they're like, Do I invite Amanda or do I invite her husband? Like, you know what I mean? When it's like couples that you've hung out with yeah. for a long time? What's that like?
1: Yeah, yeah. It was, you know, it's funny because when we were first separated, it was kinda of like, Oh man, how is this gonna shake out? Yeah. yeah. Um but I think um being female, I think that women are kind of that tie that is bound together more so than the men. And so I guess I'm really lucky in Yeah. That, like I feel like that the neighborhood they they just keep inviting me to things. I mean, just Sunday night I had um you know one of my best friends here in the neighborhood, it was her birthday and so her husband texted me and then another couple and invited us all to go out for a drink with you know for her birthday and um I didn't feel awkward at all. I felt, you know, like just like it didn't feel any different. At all. It it felt very comfortable and um and so I feel very fortunate in that way, because yeah, it was kind of like before before I got there, it was kind of like, oh, what is this going to be like? And <laughs> I don't want to. I, I I try to tread carefully on like I don't want to ask my married friends out for too many like a girls' night out or anything. Like I don't. I try not to do too much of that because I don't want to impose on them. And I know that you know their family, you know, unit is comes first. And um, but I don't. I I haven't felt. I certainly have not felt lonely or um, left out or lacking for you know, anything on a social level. So it's been been pretty sweet, I guess. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's really good. Well, you know, I know I picture like these parties or, you know, things we go to and I'm like, more often than not, like I'm just usually talking to the women anyway, like I just naturally gravitate toward talking to the women. So if Glenn wasn't there with me, like I would still be talking to the women regardless, probably. Right. <laughs> Not that I don't talk to men, but just I yeah. end up talking to my girlfriends.
1: Yeah. 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 It's just how it shakes out, I guess. Yeah.
0: Well, I've I've always kind of uh, admired you from afar on Twitter and you're and your parenting. And, you know, anytime you kind of give me a head nod to something I've done or having a hard day, I always really appreciate that. And, you know, it's an interesting thing having really little kids, like looking up to the mothers uh, of kids who are older and seeing like, Oh man, they've been there a long time ago. Like they've been there, done that. So I just want to give you a a nod and tell you how much I have appreciated your support over the years. When when I might tweet that I'm having a bad day, or I might be proud of something that
1: I did. Oh my goodness. Well, you're you're more than welcome, and I um, am a mutual admirer because uh, you. I mean, I, you know, goodness sakes, you're doing it with all these these young children. <laughs> that is tough. I mean, I only ever did it with two, and and mine were a little bit further spread apart. I mean, you have you know, that, that's a lot going on there in your household. And I think you're doing great. And I love that you do it with a sense of humor. Um, you know, it's, it's wonderful. So, yeah.
0: Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. And, you know, it's the sense of humor thing. I like that you say that because it, it, there's this fine balance on social media because it's like you don't want to come off as complaining because obviously you're so grateful for your kids and yeah. like you would do anything for them and you wouldn't change it for the world. But like it's really freaking hard sometimes (laughs) like that doesn't take away from the fact that like, even though the day is going really good, if like five things get broken and you know, like just there's a million things going on, like even though they're uh, not critical things, like it just feels like the weight of the world sometimes. So um, there's this like balance of how to communicate that. And um, I appreciate people who get it. Like they don't, they don't think, Oh, she's like, So fortunate. And look, she's complaining all the time or whatever. No, no, no. And you don't come across
1: that way at all.
0: (laughs) Well, it's funny too. Right now, as we're talking, I am sitting in my closet. My two big boys don't have school today. And (laughs) because the public schools are, they're having like a teacher day and my little boys are at daycare though. So this is normally like my child free day. And I can just hear, I don't know what is going on underneath me right now in the garage, but I there's a lot of banging around and I'm just rolling the dice.
1: Right. I love it. And that's how moms get it done, right? You're sitting in a closet, you know, yeah. getting your podcast put together. So, yes, this is what we do. Yeah, I was like four and seven, if it
0: was the two-year-old and the baby, couldn't do it. But, like, four and yeah. seven, they should be fine for an hour downstairs. I just don't right, know what's right. gonna the garage is going to look like when I get down there. Right,
1: right. <laughs> we'll be welcoming you.
0: Oh, man. Um, okay, so do you have any races coming
1: up or anything? Um, I'm actually doing <laughs> – um I am doing a 28 mile run in the Tetons um very soon um which I've never run longer than a marathon um and so this is um this was an opportunity that came my way via a PR agency and um so yeah I'm doing that and it seems kind of insane and I had a little bit of a um of a hurt hamstring that happened this year actually in, in the gym it was just a fluke way that I moved and so I'm really far behind in my mileage for doing this. But again, let's go back to this idea that we've all done these things a million years and we all know like mentally we can get through it and physically, you know. So um, so that's coming up soon. So <laughs> um, if it's a PR thing, like are you going as a journalist? What does that mean? Yes, yes, yes. So, um, yes, I, I was invited as a journalist to go do this trip. Um, Where's it and- at? What's that? Where's it at? It's in the Tetons, so it's the Teton Crest Trail. Okay, I don't um, know what that is. I should know, but so I that, don't. yeah, no, that's in the Grand Tetons, um, and it, so in Wyoming. And so we start at ten thousand feet, and we're running down to six thousand um, <laughs> for twenty eight miles. So um, yeah, your quads, ow. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, it's going to be so beautiful, and I can't wait. Um, and that's just like that's that's totally up my alley to to be able to go do some like that's the kind of stuff now like now that I'm not racing, like doing something like that though, that totally gets me excited. I mean, that's, that's a way of challenging myself. Um, in, in such a different way though, like at the time is completely irrelevant on something like that, but it's still going to be a challenge. And, um, so yeah, I'm excited about that. Ooh, and that does sound fun. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know, one of these days I'm going to do a, um, a 50 K I'm just not sure when I just, like it's, I think I don't want to put in the miles like on the road to get ready for a 50k, but I really want to do one. So I needed to just suck it up and, and do that. So that, that'll happen, you know, in the next, maybe November, but we'll see. We'll see.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. All right, Amanda, let's do into the podcast questions. Okay. Uh, continue on with your awesome writing. I love reading your work and um, I love being friends with you on Twitter. Yes. Thank you. Same, same. What is one thing you'd like to do professionally or personally that you haven't done yet
1: um a book um not not a novel because I am not a creative writer um but um a nonfiction book and I think I I finally have stumbled onto the topic that I want to dig into so I'm pretty excited to try to start start setting aside a tiny bit of time every week to dedicate toward it so
0: yeah I'm assuming we're keeping that a secret the topic
1: I'm going to keep it quiet right now. Yes, because yeah. it is brand new to me. Yes. <laughs> I love it.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. And, and Amanda earlier, we were trying to connect on something and she's like, sorry, I had everything turned off because I was writing and I'm like, you're brilliant. Like, why aren't we all turning everything off when we're trying to get a lot oh. done in a short period of time? That's a smart woman.
1: Well, credit goes to Christy Ashwandan, who um, is a um, fellow freelance writer. and um, And I just went out and took her courage camp um, that she and Jen Miller taught. And um, the time management tools like that were that it was really valuable. And so this is somewhat new to me to be turning everything off and concentrating and going into that deep dive like that. And it's really it, it does help the productivity for sure.
0: Yeah. And you're going to write your book a lot faster that way, huh?
1: Yeah. <laughs> What's an accomplishment you're most proud of? Oh my God, I feel so cliche, but I'm going to have to say my kids. Um, I mean, and I don't know if they're my accomplishment, but I'm so proud of my kids and and who they are and watching them become kind people and resilient kids and um yeah i i nothing else no that's, that's at the end of the day that's my work's life honestly mm, so yeah yeah i was my it life.
0: was it you that tweeted an article about this like um how there's not enough articles and books and support for like parenting teenagers?
1: Yeah. You know what? I did tweet that today because I, I've actually written that uh, very similar piece I wrote for the for the post a couple of years ago and it because it was when my son was 15 and he was going through a little bit of a rough patch. And um, and it was at a time where like my friends and I were all like, holy crap, you know what? What is going on with our kids? It's when they start getting into trouble and doing the big things, you know, like we talk about little kids, little problems and, the, and it became like the, the big kids, big yeah. problems. And we were realizing, we're like, nobody nobody talks about this stuff. We all talk about, you know, the, the potty training and whatnot. But, yeah, the big issues, everyone goes silent on it. And that is a time when we really need each other. So, yeah.
0: Totally. I, I'm i like, yeah. you know, I'm so heavy in it with the little kids. And even as a, with a seven-year-old, I'm like, ooh, I'm starting to see, like, with behavior stuff, like, just how I need to handle things already differently because – I don't know. Yeah. He's such a big little human. And yes, yes. Um yeah, I'm, I'm not going to say I'm scared about those years, but like, I was never one to read books on like babies and toddlers. Cause I'm like, their babies and toddlers like we'll figure it out like I don't care about potty training like my friends will do these like three-day thing where they're like we're not leaving the house for three days because we're potty training right. so-and-so and I'm like what like you're not gonna leave your house for three days like I can't live like that you know and I've kind of always been in the camp where it's just like well it'll happen when it happens and some are harder yes. than others but um, I imagine I need to arm myself a little bit better for the big problems. Like you're saying, the big kids, big problems. Yeah, it
1: is good. I mean, and again, like, just like, you fall back on your mom network and um, and having these conversations with people instead of, you know, like, I mean, I don't think there should be any embarrassment about what any of our kids are going through or doing, because that's what, that's what they're supposed to do at these ages. You know, they, they're going to take some risks. They're going to do some dumb things. And, Um, and you know, let's not be embarrassed by that. Let's talk about it and help each other out, you know? Yeah, that's good. Um, if you could have coffee
0: or cocktail with someone fun, motivating or inspiring, who would it be?
1: Yeah, I was thinking about that one. I think, um, Anne Lamott, I I mean, I just, I love her writing. I love her personality. I went to hear her speak a couple of years ago and, um, she is just so darn, you know, she's an open book and she says it like it is. And she talks about her struggles and she's salt of the earth. And um, I would love to get into that mind a little bit more. (laughs) I've read a
0: couple of her books. Is there, does she have a book that
1: it's something about birds? Yeah. Bird by bird. It's, it's yeah. It's a great, like if you want to learn how to write, it's great advice. Yeah. Yeah.
0: What's a nonprofit you like to support?
1: So I have a really um, close um, relationship with my, my, My kids and I go with our church every year down to this little corner of Virginia that is in Appalachia and it's this tiny little town. Coal mining used to be their thing and coal mining has left the the area. So it's, you know, just an impoverished area. I love the people there. And so they have their own little community development um, fund down there. And that's, that's where it's just such a personal connection there. So I love to support them. Yeah. What kind of church do you go to? Um, it is Methodist. I grew up Methodist um, in Ohio, and um, same here in in my county. I've I, I've never deviated from that. I suppose I should have, like, you know, maybe looked at at other, <laughs> checked other things. But as long as I'm happy and I'm and and I'm, you know, it's it's feeding my soul. I guess that's I'm I'm there.
0: <laughs> I always like to know, like, I always like to ask the God question, like, do you believe in God? So I'm gonna assume if you go to a Methodist church, you probably believe in God. <laughs>
1: absolutely absolutely and again I'm gonna you know go back to like going through these tough times I mean I feel like my faith definitely carries me through this stuff so yes
0: (laughs) and what's the best most recent book you've read
1: um so it's funny because I saw you tweet this morning about the crawdads and I definitely I, I really liked the crawdads book that was a great book this year that I read um and, but I'm still waiting for like my big epic book for this year because I feel like every year I need to have one big book that really sticks with me. And I haven't come across it yet, but I just started Normal People. Um, I think, is it, uh, it Shelly Rooney? I can't remember the author's name, but um, so far that one's, it's it's pretty good. And so I'm pretty excited to see where that one goes. So so that's my kind of weird answer.
0: Normal People. <laughs> yeah, everybody's been talking about Where the Crowd had Sing for so long and I wasn't I, I I'm always super careful about what I read postpartum because I don't want anything that's going to be sad or depressing or too suspenseful. And I was kind of like putting that one on the back burner for a while for that reason. Um, yeah, just cause I had mixed, like I would ask friends, I'd be like, am I going to be sad? Like I need like lots of information before I get my heart into this book. And so I kind of finally, right, right. <laughs> you know, like, so I finally ah, feel like yeah. I'm in a place where I can like, I can be okay with being sad because of a book for a little bit.
1: Yes. 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 And I don't think this one will leave you terribly. Like it doesn't leave you devastated. It's actually a really beautiful tale. So, okay,
0: good. Um, and then Amanda, what is one message you'd like to send to the world?
1: Oh goodness. I think at the end of the day, let's just be kind. (laughs) Let's just, you know, I mean, um, you know, I, I, I guess, um, perspective and age and um you know going through stuff um I just feel like at the end of the day gosh let's just let's just be good people let's just treat each other well we're gonna have our differences absolutely but but let's um let's do it with respect and let's let's do it with kindness and and try to support one another as much as we can because you know at the end of the day that's that's all we've got left right you know yeah go be kind love it
0: all right, Amanda. Well, I appreciate you taking time out of your day to do this. And um, I can't wait to share your story and a little bit about your career and, and everything with the listeners.
1: Oh, thank you so much. I'm, I am, you know, definitely flattered. And it was a lot of fun to talk with you and get to know you a little bit better this way. So thank you. Yeah. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks. You too. Bye. Bye-bye.
0: All right, everybody, thanks so much for tuning in today. Thanks, Amanda, for coming on the show and sharing your story. Don't forget, you can find Amanda on Twitter and Instagram. She is Miss M I S S Zippy Z I P P Y 1 over there. You can find me on Instagram. I'm Lindsay Hine 626. You can find me on Twitter at Lindsay Hine. And I also have a Facebook page. I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine. We have a group over there as well. Sponsor codes you might want to remember. SweatyBetty.com, use the code ANOTHER for 20% off. And KoalaClip.com, use the code ANOTHER10 or ANOTHER for 10% off. All right, friends, if you're in New York City tomorrow, if you're listening to this on Friday, I am doing a live show at the New York Roadrunners Run Hub, Saturday, September 7th. So that's tomorrow if you're listening to this right as it comes out at noon, and that is with Strava, Runners World, and Peloton, a really exciting conversation we're going to have at noon at the New York Roadrunners Run Hub this Saturday. All right, I hope you're having a great day. Have a wonderful rest of your Friday. Have a great weekend, and as always, I'll see you next Friday. Hi. hi. What you say? Hi. Have a great day. bye bye